0: Scripture, if you will, and turn to the book of Philippians. You may not have realized this, but last Sunday I began a new series. For those of you who were here, we certainly we had the Ordination Council, and I read those first, uh, well, that first two verses of this book as we uh, began this series. But I want to I really focus our attention here in Philippians over the next few weeks about the church that is unified, that is joyful, That God himself just seems to bless. It it is a wonderful book when you read through it. Dale and I talked about it. He's teaching it out at the uh, assisted living and other areas uh, this time. So we've been able to kind of compare a little bit. But it is a wonderful book when you look at the book of Philippians. I want to begin in verse 3 of that first chapter tonight. Really as we look at a prayer. It's amazing we've been talking about prayer on Sunday morning. And now we see an instance, an example of a disciple's prayer. Beginning in verse 3, as he writes to the Philippian believers, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. It's somewhat of a prayer that Paul offers as he writes to the Philippian church. I want to break it apart at least as a prayer, and I want you to see As Paul writes to this church, a church that he basically founded, a church that he had loved through the years, he writes to them and really he expresses a prayer of gratitude for who they are. I mean, that's what you see in verse 3. Verse 3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Literally what it means is, like, I go on thanking. Every time I have an opportunity, I thank God because of you. Every time I have a remembrance of you. I mentioned a moment ago that Paul was basically the one who founded this church. If you want to read more about the founding, go back to Acts chapter 16. And you'll see that Paul goes into Philippi. And he doesn't go to a synagogue like he usually does. Obviously, there's not a very large Jewish population. According to the rule of the day, if you had 10 Jewish men, that meant you had to build a synagogue, right? In the city. So obviously, there're not that many Jewish folks in the area so he goes into Philippi and he decides he'll just go down by the river maybe he had heard Maybe he had heard that there were a group of believers who met down there and he goes down there and he meets this lady named Lydia Along with some other women and she comes to faith in Christ And then God just continues to do a work you remember the the slave girl that was demon-possessed and Here she experiences the peace of Jesus as the disciples speak into her life. And, of course, that upsets her masters, and they drag uh, the disciples into the front of all of the city, basically. And next thing you know, well, those disciples were in jail. And what were they doing in jail? Singing some hymns. They were singing about God's grace and about God's mercy and giving him thanks. And somehow in the midst of that, God brought deliverance to those disciples. And God brought deliverance to a Philippian jailer. As he thought he was about to lose his life, as he thought he was going to be held responsible for their escape, it was in that moment that Paul was able to share the gospel of Christ with him and he came to know the Lord. It was a great thing. I I could only imagine as Paul is writing this, thinking about those early moments in the church's life and then thinking about all the things he had heard, he had seen, he was able to just stop and give thanks. You know, memories can be good things, can't they? Yeah. It's 5 o'clock, but you can still say amen, all right? Memories can be good things. I'm so grateful for memories. I really am. Uh, I'm thankful that God allows us to remember some really good times in our lives and that we can go back and think about it. I I am thankful that he allows us to experience relationships in such a way that we can just remember just some good times. And what Paul says is, I'm thinking back to the church and I'm thinking back to you. And every time you come to mind, every time... I just say, God, thank you for those folks. God, thank you for the Philippian believers. Thank you for what they stand for. Thank you for who they are. Some of us who've been members of local churches, those of us who've been members here at Temple, those of us who've been members at other places, we know what it's like to stop and think about those moments and those people and those relationships. And we know what it's like to have our hearts filled with gratitude. You know, Leslie and I have talked through the years that God has been so good to us. I mean, God has given us some of the best churches that you could ever imagine to pastor. We are so thankful for that. You know, I, I have friends, and I'll hear them talk about their church or s- certain things going on, and man, I'll just I'll just sit and just kind of rub my head a little bit and think, goodness, I mean, that sounds bad, It sounds bad. At One time, this was as we were thinking about who we were financially and all of that, we were talking, and we had some uh, other ministers, older ministers in our lives that talked about going to seminary and having to eat peanut butter and that kind of stuff, and they didn't have much else to, to eat, and Leslie looked at me, and she said, I feel bad sometimes. We've never had those moments. I said, that I know, but don't ask for those moments. You know, let's let's just give God thanks that we never had on. Don't go out there praying that we'd experience it. And you know, sometimes I hear all the different things that go on in churches, and I, and I know they happen, okay? We're all messy people. And I'm not saying one church is perfect. There is no perfect church. If you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there is no perfect church. We are all messy people. But there are some churches certainly that that it's difficult to pastor. And I've got friends. Sometimes they make... Well, sometimes some of my friends probably have made it more difficult than they should have. But there are churches that can be difficult. I've never prayed, God, give me a difficult church. I've been just... Like I said earlier, just as I talked about the peanut butter, I've been thankful that God's given us good ones. And, and, And I always come back and say, God, thank you. And every time I remember those relationships. Every time I remember the moments that I've had where I've seen the Holy Spirit of God work, I've just given thanks. You know, we just got through with 2016, and uh, sometimes right at the end of the year, we we send, you know, Christmas cards. We send a good many Christmas cards. And uh, look, I'll be honest with you. If Leslie had let me, I'd send a Christmas card to every one of you. But she finally says, Reggie, that is enough. I get them, usually sit down. I mean, that's kind of my deal. She, she, she loves sending them too, but I, I just love sending them. I like staying in touch with people, and I like to know what's happening. And, and, and about 250, she says, that's enough. We're not going to buy any more postage at all. And I'm a very obedient husband. <laughs> but, you know, I just, and every time I go through that process of writing Christmas cards and thinking about people, it's a, it's a special time for me. I, I think back to the folks that were in Blue Springs when I led music. I think back to my first pastor at Canaan. I think back to the folks at Pine Grove that nurtured me. They would tell you they trained me as a pastor. I remember the folks in Zachary. There's something about remembering and remembering the good times that makes you just stop and say, thank you. Thank you, God. And as I said, God's always given me good churches to pastor. I've been beyond blessed. Continue to be beyond blessed. Uh, December the 21st was our third year here at Temple. As I shared with the deacons earlier, it's hard to believe that for us. But I don't know of a greater people, and I mean that, a greater church that I could pastor. I've always said that if you pastor a church, you ought to think it's the greatest church. Or otherwise, you ought not to pastor it. And I really believe God has given us the greatest church. I love other folks, and this is not being recorded and won't go to them, hopefully. But I love Temple Baptist Church. Every remembrance, everything, services, those moments of relationships, whatever it is, because it goes back to the people. It goes back to what God is doing in the midst of his people. And and I can only imagine, and you can too, like I said, some of you can go back to other churches, and you go back to the times that you've had here, and you have great memories. When those memories come to you, take a moment and just say to God, thank you. Now, I'm not going to go on Sunday mornings through all of the different types of prayers. I think you could talk about different types of prayers we offer to Him. But one type that we should offer is a prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude. I promise you it will be a prayer that God will always accept when you just come to Him and say thank you. So, you know, how about just maybe tonight, tomorrow, Just go into to him and say, hey, God, thank you. Specifically, thank you for the church. Thank you for the group of believers. Thank you for the churches I've been a part of that nurtured me. Thank you for the church that I'm a part of now. I think that somehow increases the fellowship, increases the joy, and just reminds us of the immense blessing. I'm going to say again, One of the greatest gifts God has given to us is the church. I believe it. To have a network of fellow believers, to meet here on Sundays, and to know together that we are serving the same purpose, we're serving the same Lord. We're not alone in this. Because sometimes when you're at home and you're watching television and you're going through, it seems like you might be by yourself. This culture is so anti-God and so anti-truth that you're by yourself. But when I come here on Sunday morning and I look at the faces out here in these views, somehow I am renewed. I'm renewed to know that God is manifesting His presence among His people and to know that I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are wanting to serve in the same exact way. And somehow it should lead me again to say thank you. Thank you God. For the church, so it's a prayer of thanksgiving. It's an ongoing prayer. Like I said, if you look at the original language, it's just like I go on thanking God for you every time I think of you. I thank God, but then notice also it is a prayer of intercession. He says in verse four, "Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel." from the first day until now. He says, and when I think of you, and when I pray, I not only thank God for you, but I intercede for you. I ask God to be with you. I ask God to manifest His presence. Specifically, according to what the Scripture says here, I pray for your fellowship, your partnership in the gospel. Now, Paul was, you might want to call, the founding father of the church at Philippi. And he had every reason to claim authority here. But he said, there's a sense of where we're partners in this. You've come along, and we are partners. We're in a fellowship. The original language uh, speaks of the koinonia, the common bond that we have together. And he says, we have something in common. What do we have in common? The gospel, the good news. What holds us together? The good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, I pray for you. I pray for your fellowship. I pray for your work for the gospel. Now, I'm not going to belabor this. Some of you may doubt that, but I'm not going to belabor this. Because in a few Sundays, I'm going to talk specifically about praying for the church. a few Sundays, I'm going to talk about different things like praying for our families, praying for the lost. But I think there ought to be a place in our lives where we pray for the church. We intercede for one another. Certainly, we do that as people face difficulties. We do that, and I pray that we are faithful to that. But there ought to be a time when we just stop and just say, Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that you would help us to go forth in the gospel, the good news. Maybe pray for unity. We are blessed as a people to experience the spirit of unity. And I've seen that across the existence of my ministry here. It's just a unified people. That is tremendous. But that is something that we should never take for granted. Understand that Satan would love to do nothing more than divide the family of God. And it's when we are experiencing such spirit of unity that I think we ought to redouble our efforts. Because we know that he is lurking. We know that he is roaming, seeking those whom he might devour. We know that the church at Philippi as great as it was and it was great they will have issues of disunity as we move through this you'll see Paul call out some people I kind of love that part he calls out two ladies in particular but I'm also reminded he was hundreds of miles away when he did it you know what I'm saying (laughs) yeah Paul was bold but he was wise as well But they had disunity. He knew that. He'll talk about that. But he says, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that somehow in your life the gospel will go forth because you, from the very first day, you've committed yourself to the good news of Christ. And I'm praying for you. I'm so grateful for those who go out, and, and I never take this for granted, people who say, I pray for you, Pastor, I pray for you. Please do. Continue to do that. Pray for the staff. Pray for our deacons. Pray for, all... pray for the church. Tonight, tomorrow, this week, when you get along with God, you get down on your knees. Just pray for Temple Baptist Church. Intercede for the church. And do it with joy. I love that about Paul, and you'll see this throughout the book of Philippians. Will you not doubt? I mean, it's just joy, joy, joy. Do it with joy in your heart when you pray, when you intercede for the church. And finally, as you look through this, it's a prayer of confidence. It is a prayer of confidence. Verse 6 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Verse 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I want you to know this, that when I'm praying and when I'm speaking to you, that I am speaking and I am praying in absolute confidence and assurance. He said, That work that was decisively begun in you, that's really the tense. That's what it says, is that that work was begun at a specific time, a distinct, there is no doubt that it happened. That work that was started at that moment in history, well, God's going to keep working that work in your life until the day of Christ. And that means certainly what? Until Christ Jesus comes back. You know, Paul knew what it was like for God to begin a work and to continue it. Personally, right? There was a decisive moment in his life on the road to Damascus. Unmistakable. He knew that God had started something within him. Well, there were times along the way, though, it was difficult for Paul. One of these days, I may come back to this verse, I'd love to... Be able to outline it just in Paul's life, but very quickly. Just, just think, just think of some of those challenges—not all of them, but some of them—that he had. He is saved. God moves in his life. He comes to the church at Jerusalem. You can see the scene, can't you? They're beginning to sing the first stanza of the invitation, just as I am, and had to be right. They're singing just as I am. They're saying, come, come. Paul walks down that aisle at Temple Baptist Church of Jerusalem at that point. He comes down and he says, brother pastor, James, I'd love to be a member here at Jerusalem. I want to be a full-fledged member. You would think the people would just be so excited now, you read the history of Paul's work and really, that initial beginning for him, and it says that the believers at Jerusalem were scared of him. They thought that they thought he was going to come in and be a spy for the Jewish leadership, and somehow, well, they'll face all kinds of consequences. So they pretty much rejected his membership. Folks, when you're rejected, especially by believers, it can wound you deeply. It can wound you very deeply. And I'm sure at that point Paul wondered, Hey, God, you began that work in me. I know you did. Was that all you were going to do? I mean, I came down, I did what I thought I was supposed to, and the believers didn't even join around. But you know the story. He goes back up to Tarsus before it's over with, and there's a guy named Barnabas that goes up to Antioch, where they're first called Christians. He goes up there and he begins teaching. He said, You know what? We need a teacher in this place. We need to get the nominating committee together. We got to get a Sunday school teacher. I'm sure, they had nominating committees back then. Don't you imagine, Lloyd? Maybe. So we got to get a teacher. And Brother Barnabas is standing there. He says, You know what? I got somebody. I do. I have somebody. Let me go over to Tarsus and I'll get him and I'll bring him back. And it says that he spent that time teaching the church. Well, everything's going great. All of a sudden, Paul's off on a missionary journey and things are happening. And he does face many difficulties on that missionary journey. We could talk about many of them, but I'm just going to point you to one when he's in Lystra. It says that he is beaten, that he is stoned, that he is left for dead. I think about this sometimes, about Paul just being left out there. Could you imagine... As he's there, as everybody presumes him to be dead, see, he must think to himself, God, this must be it. The work's over. The work's over. That which you began on Damascus Road, it must be over now. But God's loving, compassionate voice basically says, no, it's not over. That work which I began in you, I'm going to complete. I'm going to work in you. Well, he must have had many different types of thoughts when Agabus the prophet came. As he was about to go to Jerusalem, he said goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Jerusalem, they wrapped, basically the the prophet wraps this belt around him and, and basically signifies, hey, Paul, if if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be jailed. You're going to be... And even as we're reading this passage here, as verse 7 indicates, as he talks to the church at Philippi, he says, You're in my heart. I love you. He says, Even while I'm here, imprisoned. Yes, that's right. Remember, as he's writing the book of Philippians, it's part of a group of letters we call the Captivity Epistles where he's basically under house arrest. I think in Rome, actually. That here he is, under house arrest. Now, he has faith, he has confidence. But again, the difficulties that had come in his own life. See, he could speak to the church because he had already experienced so much of this in his own life. What is he able to say? He said, listen, you know that work that God began in you? He's going to be faithful to you. And he's going to perform it. I know it. I mean, he could stand up and give testimony. Hey, when I thought I had been rejected by the church in Jerusalem, he could stand and say, hey, when I thought I was dead on the side of the road in Lystra, when I was bound by that prophet reminding me what was going to happen, here I am in captivity. But I tell you, this is what Paul says, I tell you that I am confident, I am assured that the God who began a distinct work in you is a God who will perform that work until the day of Christ. How awesome is that? It's one of the favorite verses I have because I know that's true for us personally, but that's true for us corporately as a church as well. In September, we celebrated the 90th year that Temple Baptist Church Existed. Ninety years. I always look back. I, I'm one of these people that appreciate the history and appreciate the heritage. I always am. Every church I go to, I, I just love pouring into the history and the heritage of the church. Because 90 years, there is there is a story after story of God's faithfulness. There was a decisive work that was begun here in our midst, just as there was a work begun in the Philippian church. And you don't have to take my word. You don't have to just take the the pie-in-the-sky kind of thing the pastor says. I'm telling you, based upon what God says, is that the work that He began in Temple Baptist Church 90-something years ago, He will continue to fulfill within us until He comes. And how blessed is that to know we can... Pray in that sense of confidence that we can approach Him with that sense of assurance that He is going to keep working in our midst. Basically, it just reminds us of what Jesus said. The gates of hell itself will not prevail against the church. He says, Christ Jesus, our Lord, He will fulfill His plan and His purpose. Each day, We can pray in that confidence. We can live in that confidence. That he will do what he said he would do in the life of Temple Baptist Church. Thank God for the church. And in our prayer life, may we take the model that Paul has given us here. Let's do it this night. Let's do it this week. Where we offer our gratitude for the church, where we intercede for it, and where we express confidence about who the church is and what the church will do as it submits to the Lordship of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight, who are sitting. Upon these pews. I thank you for what they mean to me, to my family, to our staff, to this community, to this nation, to the world, even as we go forth. And God, I pray that you would empower each one of us. That, Lord, we would be faithful with what we have and who we are. That, Lord, whatever we do, whatever we say, would somehow advance the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to go forth from here with a sense of confidence and assurance. God, thank you for decisively beginning your gospel work here at Temple. Thank you for the leaders through the years past thank you for those who have stood Lord for your truth here in our midst and God keep working keep performing just as you promised Lord we look forward to what you have for us until your son comes may we continue to be faithful in Jesus name Amen would you stand tonight So we have this moment of reflection and invitation. Would you come as God speaks to you?